It's the parenting continuum The how, what's, and why's of parenting kids Hey there, welcome back to the podcast Thank you for tuning back in Or if this is your first time listening to the podcast Thank you for tuning in we took a break last week because my wife and I were out of the country, but we are back in the country now and we're back to recording. Um, I have a little bit of a sore throat, so I do apologize for that if it sounds a little different. Hopefully I'll be back to 100% come next week. This episode we're going to be talking about trauma, specifically birth trauma. This is a practice run for a talk that I'm going to give on Friday the 27th at our local ICANN chapters meeting. Now, ICANN is the International Cesarean Awareness Network, and my wife happens to be the president of the CSRA chapter of ICANN. So I'm going to be presenting this tomorrow at the group, and I'm giving a practice run tonight. Now, ICANN is a great organization that strives to empower women to make informed decisions when it comes to birthing. In future episodes, I hope to actually interview my wife about ICANN and what she does in ICANN and what ICANN can do for moms who are expecting or who have recently had babies or who maybe have older children. So we can be looking for that in the next upcoming episodes. But tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about trauma. I want to address how common trauma in general is. I want to talk about how common birth trauma is. I want to talk about what trauma can look like, meaning how it can manifest. I want to look at what causes trauma. But most importantly, we're going to talk about how someone can start down the road of healing and recovery from trauma. Okay, so how common is trauma? Research tells us that 50 to 60% of the general population have personally experienced or witnessed a traumatic event. This statistic represents 5 out of 10 females and 6 out of 10 males. Of those who survived experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event, 65 to 70% of those will return to what we call pre-morbid condition given enough time. Now, a pre-morbid condition is how something existed before the occurrence of a physical disease or an emotional illness. So basically that means if you experience some traumatic effect or if you, if you experience some trauma, survive some traumatic experience, then it's likely that given enough time, you will spontaneously recover from that and you won't meet any sort of diagnostic criteria for a disorder. That also means that 30 to 35% of people who survive traumatic events will not spontaneously recover. And those people are going to be at elevated risk for developing a traumatic disorder like post-traumatic stress disorder. Now we can apply these same statistics to birth. And we can assume that many of those who have survived birth trauma, given enough time, will spontaneously return to how they felt emotionally prior to the trauma. However, some portion of spouses and women who have given birth 
will not spontaneously recover, and they may, may be at elevated risk for developing a traumatic disorder like PTSD, or more specifically, postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, PPTSD is not recognized in the APA, the American Psychological Association, their diagnostic manual called the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, it does not have a diagnosis of PTSD. This terminology is being used in the birth culture to describe PTSD that occurs as a result of pregnancy and birth. Patch, which is the Prevention and Treatment of Traumatic Childbirth organization, estimates that a traumatic childbirth occurs in as many as 25 to 34% of all births. They further estimate that a third of those, approximately 9%, will end in women or those associated with the birth developing PTSD. Now, recovery is possible when you have PTSD and PTSD, but you will need assistance, and you'll need the assistance of professional, trained individuals. So, how is trauma defined? Well, the APA, the American Psychological Association, defines trauma in its manual as exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence in one of four ways. Direct experience of the event, witnessing the event, learning that the violent or accidental traumatic event occurred to a close family member or friend, and or experiencing repeated or extreme traumas like with first responders or police officers or military personnel. Penny Simkin, the founder of Patch, states that a birth is classified as traumatic when the individual, be it a mother or father or witness, believes that the mother or the baby's life was in danger or that a serious threat to the mother or baby's physical or emotional integrity existed. PSI, Postpartum Support International, reports that birth trauma can include prolapse cord, unplanned C-section, use of vacuum extractor or forceps to deliver the baby, baby having to go to the NICU, women feeling powerless, poor communication and or lack of support and reassurance during delivery, women who experience severe physical complications or injuries related to the pregnancy or childbirth, such as severe postpartum hemorrhaging and unexpected hysterectomy, women who have experienced previous traumas, such as rape or sexual abuse, or at higher risk of experiencing postpartum PTSD. Now that we have an understanding of how prevalent or common trauma and PTSD is, Let's move into how it's diagnosed. Now back to the APA's manual. The diagnostic manual gives specific criteria that must be met for the diagnosis of PTSD. A person has to meet specific criteria in four categories. The first category is re-experiencing. A person has to have one or more of the following intrusion symptoms. So they have recurrent involuntary distressing memories of the event, 
recurrent distressing dreams of the event, disassociative reactions like flashbacks where the individual feels or acts as if the traumatic events are happening again, intense or prolonged psychological distress and exposure to internal or external cues, so memories triggering, triggering intense feelings, that also has to be avoidance, the second category. This would be the persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with the traumatic events. This could be avoidance of or efforts to avoid memories or thoughts or feelings that are closely associated with the event. It could also be avoidance or efforts to avoid reminders of the event, like people, places, conversations, activities, the third category is depression. There are negative alterations in the cognitions or the thoughts and the moods associated with these traumatic events. This could be an inability to remember important aspects of the traumatic event or persistent and exaggerated negative beliefs or expectations about oneself or others or the world such as I'm bad, no one can be trusted, the world is completely dangerous. There could be persistent distorted cognitions about the cause or consequences of the traumatic event, leading the individual to blame themselves for the event. There can be persistent negative emotional states such as horror or guilt or shame. And the last one is hypervigilance and heightened emotions. There's going to be marked changes in the arousal and the reactivity of a person associated with the traumatic events. This could be irritable behaviors and angry outbursts with little or no provocation, reckless and self-destructive behavior, hypervigilance, so being on alert all the time, scanning the environment, checking to make sure you're safe, problems with concentration, and sleep disturbances, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. A person needs to experience these symptoms for greater than one month, and the symptoms have to cause severe problems and distress in a person's life, at work, and in their general daily life. In addition, these symptoms cannot be attributable to the physiological effects of the substance or other medical conditions. Now, if you feel like you meet criteria for PTSD, I would highly recommend that you go talk with a professional therapist. I cannot make a formal diagnosis of PTSD. A formal diagnosis of PTSD has to come from assessment and interview by a professional. So if any of this resonated with you and made sense to you or felt like oh, that's exactly what I feel like, you need to go talk to a professional and get an accurate diagnosis so you can have accurate treatment. Now, just a quick side note, as there's a distinction between P, PTSD, and postpartum depression. P, PTSD, results from trauma, either witnessed or experienced trauma. And this trauma causes physiological and chemical changes in the brain. Postpartum depression occurs due to hormonal changes in a woman's body after delivery. 
Without treatment, new moms suffering from P PTSD are less likely to receive follow-up medical care because of a mistrust of the medical system or because of the avoidance mentioned above. They're less likely to breastfeed because of self-doubt or other lack of confidence or because it's too painful a reminder of childbirth. And they're likely to have more challenges bonding with and caring for their newborns. Sometimes parents look at their child and they can only see everything that went wrong. Our children are amazing and they're blessings to us. But they can also be like scars. They can be a permanent physical representation of regret or of pain and suffering. And if we see our child in that light, it's going to be difficult to nurture them and love them in the ways that we want to and in the ways that they need. Women who are diagnosed with PPTSD are also less likely to have subsequent births. And they're more likely to experience sexual dysfunction and relationship problems. So the question is, what are we going to do about that? How can we heal? How can we change? The good news is, is that P PTSD is treatable. If you are experiencing any of these symptoms, you should seek professional help immediately. You are not alone. And the symptoms you're experiencing are understandable for someone who has survived a traumatic experience. Firstly, I want you to know that you are not to blame and you didn't do anything wrong. New parents, unexperienced parents, and even older experienced parents are all trying to make the best decisions that we can with the sometimes limited information and resources that we have. We cannot control every variable. You cannot control every variable. You can find the support that you need that will help you overcome these challenges that you're facing. It'll help you accept the reality of what happened to you and can help you heal from that. The first thing that we want to do is you want to give yourself time. You don't have to fix anything right now. There's nothing to fix. You're not broken. And there's no magic spell that can fix this. People can heal and they can grow from trauma, but they're not fixed or cured of the trauma. The recovery process isn't as simple as being cured, but it's about learning how to live meaningful lives, live full lives that's not hindered by symptoms of our experiences. So be kind and gentle with yourself. You have undergone physical and mental changes, both to your body and to your brain. Trauma changes the brain. The fear center becomes overactive, leading to staying on alert, being overly anxious, easy to startle. Memory centers become underactivated, making it difficult to distinguish between the past and the present leading to re-experiencing and flashbacks. The frontal lobe becomes underactivated, leading to difficulty with, with decision-making and future planning. Things may have changed, yes, but you can recover. 
You are not broken. You have not failed. You are okay. You are normal. And you are enough. There's a tendency for trauma survivors to feel shame and self-loathing. Specifically related to the emotions that they are feeling. They have a tendency to turn off these emotions. To go numb. Let yourself have your feelings. Feel and experience that anger and disappointment and the frustration and the excitement. These are all natural feelings and you can learn to tolerate them. Yes, big feelings can be scary and they can feel overwhelming, but you are strong. You can weather this storm and you can survive those intense emotions. The mainline treatment for PTSD is psychotherapy. This can be talk therapy, it can be cognitive behavioral therapy, or group therapy. In these settings, the client gets help from a professional in reprocessing their traumatic experience. It helps them understand why they developed the reactions that they did. This therapy also helps to reframe the experience in a better light. You need safe places to talk honestly about your experiences. Talking about your birth story helps you reclaim your story. Talking about and writing and rewriting your birth story can help clear that noise from your head. It can help shine the light on different perspectives and interpretations it can help shine lights on details that you may have missed. It may help you see things that went well and little victories that you had, no matter how insignificant they seem. Anything that can be an empowering association will be brought to light. Talk about your birth. In addition to writing your birth story, Writing letters can be helpful. Writing a letter to your healthcare team can be healing. Regardless of whether you actually mail the letter or not, writing a letter to a person who really stood out to you as calming or validating or supportive in the midst of all the scariness, communicating your gratitude will feel good for you and for them. Also, if there are professionals who made you feel dismissed or silenced or helpless, it can be cathartic for you to share that with them and reclaim your voice in the process. You also need to rediscover and reconnect with your body. Trauma can have a disassociating effect. It can make us feel disconnected from our body. This is a defense mechanism to help protect ourselves from our experiences. Our brain can almost convince us that it happened to someone else and not to us. Wellness practices such as gentle yoga, meditation, warm baths, light exercise, massages, are all effective means of reconnecting with and loving your body. Your body is amazing and it is strong. Yes, it may have changed, and yes, things may not feel the same, but you created, carried, and birthed life, and that is a miracle.
you also will need to think about how you're going to respond to friends and family who have the best of intentions, but maybe you don't say the right thing. Writing down some phrases to help redirect awkward or painful comments towards a more healing direction can be helpful. For instance, if a family, family member says, you and the baby are both fine, so why don't you let your birth experience go? You can reply, I know you're glad we're both here and alive, and I'm grateful for that too, but I'm not grateful for how it happened. You're also going to want to be aware of anniversaries. I know they feel like a long way off, but your baby's first birthday will be here before you know it. Other anniversaries, like the day you were admitted to the hospital, or your due date, the day that labor started, the day you brought your baby home, those can all bring up painful memories. And it's at those times where you may consider stepping up your self-care checking in more frequently with your counselor or therapist, journaling, doing whatever helps you settle when you're upset, when you're triggered. Doing these things will help make room for you to celebrate your beautiful baby, the blessing that it is, and its beautiful mom. There are a few specific coping skills that are used in trauma therapy, and I'm going to address two of them quickly. The first is deep breathing, which we've talked about before. This is a simple technique, and it's helpful in managing intense emotions. Not only is deep breathing effective at calming us down, it's also discreet, and it's easy to do. You can do it at any time and any place. You're going to want to sit comfortably. Sometimes that's in a chair with your back straight with both feet on the floor, Maybe you have one leg crossed. Maybe you're sitting with both legs crossed. Whatever it looks like for you, you want to sit comfortably and place one hand on your abdomen. You're going to breathe in through your nose deeply enough that the hand on your abdomen rises. You're going to hold the air in your lungs. And then you're going to breathe the air out slowly through your lips puckered like you're blowing through a straw. The secret to this is to go slow. You're making your body slow down. You're lowering your heart rate, lowering your blood pressure, increasing the oxygen that's coming into your body. You want to breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, and then breathe out for six seconds. And you can practice this for three to five minutes to get good at it. The next is grounding. After trauma, it's normal to experience flashbacks, anxiety, other uncomfortable symptoms. Grounding techniques help control these symptoms by turning our attention away from our thoughts and our memories and our worries and refocusing them on the present moment. There's the 5-4-3-2-1 technique and it purposefully makes you take in the details of your surroundings using all of your senses. Instead of having your environmental information just wash over you and be forgotten, 
this method causes you to slow down and to focus on that, to bring you back to the here and now, the present moment. You want to look for five things that you can see. You want to notice four things that you can feel. Three things that you can hear. Two things that you can smell. And one thing that you can taste. If you have gum or candy or a small snack, that's great for this step. You can put one in your mouth and focus on the flavors. So that's a brief overview of trauma in general and birth trauma and the effects of it and how you can cope and manage with them. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to let me know. We have email at theparentingcontinuum at gmail.com. The Parenting Continuum can be found on Facebook and on Instagram, and you can message either of those to reach out to me and I will respond. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a good rest of the day, a good evening, a good morning, whatever time you're listening to this. Good luck out there. Keep trying, keep growing, and keep loving your kids. Peace. The information and topics presented in this podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Listening to or otherwise communicating and or interacting with a host or associated parties does not constitute the establishment of a client therapist or other professional relationship. The podcast host and the associated parties cannot provide a professional therapeutic diagnosis or individualized treatment for listeners and is not in any way a substitute for active participation in medical or psychological treatment. I am not licensed to and cannot provide mental health care in states other than Georgia or South Carolina or without direct supervision. I am not a licensed or trained medical professional. All medical content is my opinion and is not a substitute for direct care by a licensed physician or other professional. The topics discussed, in addition to the opinions and resources provided, are not a substitute for direct professional care or treatment. If you are experiencing any kind of medical emergency, contact 911 or go to your nearest emergency department for assistance. If you are interested in or feel a need to receive therapy or direct care, please check local resources using your preferred search engine or psychologytoday.com to find and contact service providers.